you know, we were making a salsa rock record that is in Spanish and planting our flag saying that we're an American, we're making American music, you know, and this is where we're making it in one of the most important cities for American music. Welcome to the Shellcast, a show about music, culture, and Memphis. As we live into our mission of building community through music, education, and diversity, we look forward to interviewing artists and musicians and hearing about how they are writing their own stories, building their own communities, 85 years strong, and with a rich history, the Shell has stood the test of time as a beacon of hope in the heart of Memphis. This podcast is brought to you by Orion Federal Credit Union, where a big part of us is being a big part of the community. Visit orionfcu.com to see how Orion is redefining banking. Shellcast. For today's episode, I spoke with the Latin rock band Making Movies. We spoke about how they got back to the core of being a band during the pandemic, their forthcoming new album, Sopa, their love for Memphis, and more. Now, here's our conversation with Making Movies. I'm super excited to talk to you all. For those listening, I am chatting with the amazingly talented uh, band Making Movies. And we have here, why don't you all introduce yourselves, uh, your name, your your character names, and where you all are from. I'll start. I'm Juan Carlos, the OG Chauran from Guadalajara, Mexico, and Kansas City, Missouri. It is your boy, Young Almighty, El Batarista in La Banda, making movies, and I hail from the great city of Oleta, Kansas. Diego Chi, the Chinchilla, El Rumbero, born in Santiago de Veraguas, Panama, and also grew up in Kansas City. This is Enrique Chi, um, El Roquero, and the lead singer-guitarist of Making Movies, born in Santiago, Panama, as well. Love it. And we're, we're going to come back to your monikers in just a second, but wanted to start because I'm I'm genuinely curious having known you all for a few years, but I don't know the story behind how you all landed on the name Making Movies. So very much curious. How did Making Movies come to be? Well, that was that was mostly me. I knew that I wanted to make a band that represented our identity, um, at least my identity, and then I wrote Diego into it, of being bicultural. So pretty soon Diego's on board, and the fact that we're Panameños in the Midwest, we knew that there was something special about kind of speaking to that. And our papa was, um, is still like a rock and roll lover, but he was a collector of vinyl. You know, that was his main way of listening to music. And there's all these classic vinyls, Beatles, Pink Floyd, Yes, Led Zeppelin, all this stuff that was kind of my musical education. And one of the albums that he had, he had a bunch of albums from the Dire Straits. And one of the albums is called Making Movies. And by coincidence or random chance, on that album, the fonts are the exact same for the band name and the album name. So as a kid, I didn't know which was the band name, which was the album name. And I remember asking our papa, is it a band called Making Movies that made an album called The Dire Straits? Which makes some sense. 
And he's like, no, no, backwards. I'm like, oh, but it's kind of cool the other way. And I think that it now represents for us a couple things, right? We've made these kind of epic music videos that feel film-like. We've made a documentary film, Americana, that is a big part of our story now. And so like making movies is part of what we do as a band, but it also kind of represents this idea that before I even spoke English, I loved rock and roll music and that language is kind of irrelevant to music if you just open your 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 mind to it. And I was loving music I couldn't understand, but actually I did understand it because I understand what the, the feeling they were putting into it. And I think that's what the, the name represents. And so I told Diego, I think this is our band name, Making Movies. Once Diego was on board, we went out looking for the other members. We met Juan Carlos a couple of years later, maybe three, four years, two, three years into like from the first conversation, probably two, three years. Then we met Juan Carlos. And then we've, we've gone through different drummers, but, um, but the concept remained. And the, the name, I think, feels more fitting today than it ever did, honestly. So that's, that's kind of cool. We didn't mess up when we named the band. We're not embarrassed by it. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Some bands are embarrassed by the name. We, yeah, we, we ended up growing into it, you know, like the the albums always have some bit of a cinematic or soundtrack like feel to them. And we, if we put out an album, we always wanted it to feel like a, a body of work that's meant to go together. Like you don't you don't skip ahead scenes in a movie or just watch one scene over and over again. I mean, some people do that, but they're crazy. So we wanted our albums to feel the same. I love that. I mean. It, it definitely shows. I mean, because your recent single, Sala de los Pecadores, the, the music video, and even Color, which you all dropped in, in March, they're almost kind of, almost like chapters, visual chapters, or kind of extended scenes of a, of a larger movie, which I always think is, is super dope. And you all said it, you, you very much create cinematic pieces of work, whether it be the music uh, or the or the visuals. But I do want to touch on, you know, you said you, Enrique, Diego, JC, you all have known each other for a while. And Duncan, I know you joined the band in, in 2019, which seems like a decade ago, given the pandemic. What has it been like, you know, coming in, you know, months before the world shuts down into a new band and then shutting down? How do you how do you balance that building of the chemistry and having been in the band for a few now for a few years now i would say in 2019 i was not in the band it was still just like they just was trying it out and see if it was going to work or not they didn't even know none of us knew really <laughs> i didn't know so for the whole 2019 that first tour to mexico city it was just like I always just knew I was going to be a drummer on tour at some point. That's just what I was convinced. So like, I just felt like this was the opportunity. So I was in already and I just had never played Afro Latino, Afro Cuban, Afro rhythms. So I just, like I said, I didn't know if it was going to work. And then the world shut down and it actually blessed me because I had all this time to build it up and work on it before all the pressure was on to really come through. And I had a chance to like, soak it up to watch all this YouTube. And, and then like, I got a chance to know the guys in a deeper sense than I would have if everything would have kicked off. You know, so like we got a chance to go through some, I would say real shit and have some moments and like have to figure out how to create other ways, which allowed, you know, so I guess more of the personalities and things to come out. And then which led to like, why it feels like it's been a while we jailed so much, I feel like, because 
we kind of went backwards, you know, the other way of like building all the backbones and the relationship and the personality and the friends and brotherhood. And like, then a year later, we got to play music, you know? So I feel like that was a, a really a blessing in a way and kind of part of why this shit is working so well because all of this shit has happened like in a way none of us have kind of seen this happening as long as we've each been doing the thing uh, collectively and like as a band we've all had these like new moments even as long as they've been together the moments they've had with me I know has even been new for them like we didn't see this coming either you know so like, that's I feel like that pandemic energy still kicked off these other really good, amazing, also like once in a lifetime, you know, wild uh, experiences. Word. So, I mean, speak on that in the sense of like literally no shows or just doing virtual shows or live streams to within the last two months and even coming up, you all are playing some of the biggest stages you all have played in your career. That has to be kind of, surreal in terms of going from zero to a hundred real quick as as drake would say i guess what has that been like going from i'll kick it off yeah um i would say i i went from like doing a, a americana streams and doing zooms with uh in the uh what's the the rebel song academy and it's like that's what i remember coming from like learning how to be in a non-profit world and learn how to like be in this like kind of like a business sense of a creative and then that switching over to actually being on the road playing music it was is it was like whoa but i was also grateful the whole time i was saying like it still felt like serious big moments even though it was on the computer because like these were zoom classes and things with this this nonprofit organization with the band that was like still doing serious stuff. So for me, it, it it was, it's all been like, whoa, amazing. I never had that like transitions where like no shows, not doing anything to, it just, it just kind of transitioned to like actually being in front of people. You could say for me. I'll, I'll chime in here. And, and I feel that, you know, like our work when shows canceled, we, we definitely poured our creative energy into this community work that we'd started and it was long before it was a not-for-profit it was just community work we just like banded together to, to do community work and and start a music camp for kids and then we would like invite these kids to come per- perform with us and all this was very organic but uh when the pandemic shut down concerts it allowed me to figure out how to grow that and replicate it and i've had some really wonderful moments where i realized wow the rebel song academy is being taught by other human beings who we've taught the process to, and we're creating those outcomes with these kids that, that it are the outcomes we, we were wanting to replicate that we had stumbled into. Honestly, we just like want to do good stuff. And then we stumbled into kids saying this was transformative or this really encouraged me. This really changed the way I look at things. Oh, wow. Well, well, we should figure out how to do more of that. Whatever we just did that created that we should focus on the parts that created that and do a bunch of that. And that's what turned into a not-for-profit the pandemic allowed the time to then to, to really focus and hone that in. But I would say this, that like it's riffing off what Duncan was saying, that it really made me wonder what it meant to be a band. And sometimes it was stressful to be a band because being a band meant Zoom meetings. And that seems very unband like It's like, what is a, what is a band if you don't have concerts or rehearsals 
or really even recording sessions, though we did start to record our new album after we started to figure out a system where we could feel safe enough to do it. And it's like, what is a band then? Well, I guess a band is um, a group of people that are connected to an idea, you know, because it's like we're not even playing gigs. Four married men. I don't know if you knew that. That's what a band is. (laughs) Four married men. Four men who choose to marry in their own own personal lives and business lives, everything. (laughs) You just get wrapped up all together. Yeah. So that's the you part. Well, I'm about to get you all my divorce papers. <laughs> <laughs> We're just getting served. <laughs> yeah, and, and we we had to get back to the core of it, you know. Like it, yeah. it, in a way, like it felt like when Duncan we crashed into the pandemic and Duncan was new with it. Like the the good part is that we had to get back down to the core, like the the core that you're at when you're in a basement with your homies saying, saying like, I have these dreams. Someday we'll be in a band. We could like do these, this stuff. We'll have like t-shirts and concerts and things. It kind of went back to that like formative state of like, what is it that we're doing? And I think that that allowed us to reassess things and then to form a tighter bond around the why, which gives us confidence to move forward. I, I think indefinitely, I think it gives us confidence to like do this as much as we have capacity to do it because the why became more, more solidified and that that's a, a really beautiful outcome to a dark time in history that we all just lived through and i would say be helped me be patient helped us ex- just be patient with the process accepting that like yo none of us is getting rich but like i feel it we agree already so it's all good and i feel like that's you need that you need that uh that agreement from the spirit you know that's that the married part, I would say, is what we all agreed on. Mm-hmm. Agreed. So, yeah, that's exactly it. And so I would, I mean, I'm, I'm lucky to know, enough to have heard your new album. I think that shows in this new body of work. There's there's something there. It's like a, a youthful energy. And as you all said, you all got back down to the core of it. I think that's evident in that new project and somewhat differentiates it from your previous bodies of work, which are still amazing, but this one, it's, it's something like you're, you're coming out of, I guess the best way to put it out of this pandemic. Well, it felt like is, you know, are we ever going to record another album again? <laughs> that's wild. That's, that's pretty you know, scary to think about. You yeah. know, it was kind of almost that urgency of just like, all right, well, if this is going to be our last album, you know, we definitely got to put everything that we've got into it. And just, I think we were, I think we're happy. We're all happy with the outcome of it for sure. And especially for us, too, I know for me, Diego and Enrique, you know, being together uh, now for yeah, going on 12 years, we've, you know, experienced a, a lot of things and seen a lot of things and, you know, have gone through a lot as a band, traveling all over this country and just being able to have a chance to do what we get to do. And then, you know, we've had so much, so a lot of guidance and a lot of people who've believed in our project and, you know, like Steve Berlin of Los Lobos, and he, you know, he kind of took us in under his wing there for a little bit, and then once this pandemic happened and he couldn't help us with this album, we were just like, well, we know we have the goods, we know we have the pieces to be able to do it ourselves, we have the ear, we have we have everything that it takes to be able to, to make a great record, and we knew it was on us. I think that was another part of it, I think, knowing that this is ours, you know, we, we have what it takes, and, and um, we have the songs, and so it was um it, it was definitely one of those first for a lot of things, you know, especially with Duncan coming in being his first recording, real recording, recording with us for the first time too. So, you know, all that stuff can create a lot of 
bad juju or it could, you know, it depends on how you want to take it. But after being around Duncan, his energy and things like that, you know, it was just one of those things that it just naturally happened. We knew we were going to kill it. You know, at the, at the same time, you just never know. It could, it could go south very quick. But uh, luckily, you know, we all, it all came, it all came through and we had some beautiful moments and I'm glad it's all recorded. <laughs> yeah. It, it felt like a return. It felt like a, a return to that first record that we got to make with Steve Berlin, where we're all just grateful and thrilled beyond belief to be able to be in a studio tracking the music that we had in our brains or that we played in that garage space. You know, it looked a little different this time. We were in a storage unit instead of in a garage, but the vibe was very much the same. And when we got into the room together and we were risking traveling when, you know, we weren't sure what, what the real danger of COVID was or how best to protect ourselves and vaccines hadn't happened, anything like that. It felt like just a, a deep sense of gratitude washed over all of us as we started playing the music and hitting record. And I think that that really translates to something special. I agree. The only thing I was thinking of adding is that, you know, working with our manager, Ben Jonas, as a producer was also dope to see like how he got to the place that, that he is as a, as a businessman in music, as an educator and as a manager. But because if it was uncertain whether this record was the last thing we would record, it was certainly uncertain if concerts would ever come back as we knew them. Now we know they have, right? They have come back, but, but we didn't know. So how and if we would ever make money from any of this was irrelevant. And that was, that was cool to work with Ben without, because Ben, ben has the responsibility of leveraging everything we've got so that there's enough money to sustain us. And it's, it's a, not an easy responsibility. I, I wouldn't uh, trade roles with him. That's hard. But for that one moment, he, he and us, we didn't, money was irrelevant because maybe there was zero concerts ever. We would never play this music in front of people again. Like that was a real thought. We were like, maybe not. So it was just about making the best art we could make. And that's it. That's all that we cared about. And we did everything we could to do that. May we never, may we never lose that. You know what I'm saying? Like, Mm. like may we never lose how to get back to that place where the only thing that mattered to us is just, is this the best music we can make period. Yeah. The pandemic slowed us down enough to be able to sit and come to peace with every decision on the record that you were making as you were making it. Like that wasn't good enough. Well, there's no rush. <laughs> there's no concert to get it out before, you know, there's, there's nothing, there's no calendar on the books that we're like trying to make sure things happen on this deadline. So if it ain't right, well, let's make a plan to then fix it. And we have, we have time. Let's, let's try it again. Let's, let's try to do another take of that same song. Let's re-record that other part. Let's wait till we have the right person in the room to add that overdub or whatever the thing was we were patient enough to see it through until we we felt like we'd satisfied that quest. It's like the whole 2020 pandemic, I was making my first album ever in the world with the band that I had just learned how to do all this shit with. So like life didn't slow down when it said that. And like, I, I have been lit since the pandemic. I feel like when the pandemic started, all of my dreams started happening because I was low-key secretly traveling back and forth to Memphis planning this amazing studio with the, the with the best band in my city, playing the best drums I've ever played on my first album that like who cares if nobody's gonna listen to it? This is amazing. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like that was my whole 2020. And then 
I just started getting to perform in places. So like, that's what I was looking to say. Like, it's always felt like the show because I've been, I've, I never thought none of this was going to happen, you know? And like, I have been doing it and nobody even knows it's happening. That's even the other thing. Like no one knew, no one knows what happened. And I can't even say it because so much other wild, terrible shit is happening in the world, you know? <laughs> but I'm like, I'm also grateful that like, that is my experience, you know? So I really am making movies. <laughs> Unintended. That's amazing. Want to learn more about how you can support the Overton Park Show and its mission of building community through music, education, and diversity? Head to OvertonParkShell.org. You can read up on our 86-year history and check out our schedule of events, visit our shell shop to grab all the swag, and find out ways that you can participate in our mission. Whether that's through donations, volunteering, sponsoring a concert, or becoming a member of the Shell Circle. Once again, that's OvertonParkShell.org. I mean, you, you you all brought up, you all recorded this album in Memphis, and it's almost like Memphis was your your fifth band member. It's it's somehow weaved its way into you all's story and your journey and, and this album. I guess how did how did that come to be? And I mean, it obviously has bled into your other work and your projects like Americana. What is, what has that been like, and what what is the importance of Memphis? But thanks, thanks to our thanks to our manager, thanks to Ben Youngs. I mean, he, he's the one who kind of orchestrated all of it, and you know, I think we have a lot. I mean, we have a lot to thank, be thankful for for Ben. But I mean, I think finding this uh, studio, you know, Scott Scotty Tuhati there. I mean, Scotty Tuhati, Scott McEwen <laughs> in Memphis. Yeah, it's incredible that 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 room is amazing. I would. I don't. I don't know where else I'd want to record until we find something better. You know, it. It. Uh, Memphis has always been an Amer- an Im- incredibly important American city for American music, and so and I had no idea about, or at least was ignorant to. You know. Yeah, it. It felt like like um, we were able to, while we were there, pick up on the energy of the musicians that had been there before. And the way that music is treated in Memphis, which it feels very much like like making great music isn't even that's not even a, an impressive thing. A lot of people in Memphis can make great music. A lot of great music has come from Memphis, from just regular people. So then you really feel like you got to show up and and do something special, not just make good music. But, you know, we were making a salsa rock record that is in Spanish and planting our flag saying that we're an American, we're making American music, you know, and this is where we're making it in one of the most important cities for American music. It didn't like, I didn't set out to, for all of that to play out that way, but the more we went to Memphis, the more we fell in love with it and felt that, that lineage and that heritage be part of what we were getting to make too. I would say that like one of those moments that was so magical is we had Cedric Burnside in Royal Studio and we were there um, to just talk about his story because we, we wanted to make really great content. We wanted, we wanted to, to like, the whole world is making content and trying to like distract each other from the shit that's really happening. And we, if we're going to take time to do that, let's just tell real stories. And has Cedric is one of those human beings who has real stories, you know, his grandfather being a sharecropper and being abused by, by the system so heavily, but yet also making such powerful, beautiful, 
blues music and that, that Cedric has now inherited and continued and expanded upon that legacy. So we're sitting there and Juan Carlos and I get to like have this moment where it was Juan Carlos's moment of genius where he's like, wait, hold on, hold on. loop your grandfather's riff again, loop it again. And he did. And then he started looping it. And then Juan Carlos started playing a Cuban rhythm under it. And then we realized that we're Memphis, like, or Memphis is connected to Cuba or all of the above. Like there's no, there's no other ways to describe it other than like, we have a commonality with Cedric and that night, or whenever it was that we drove home from Memphis, it must've been the next day. I, I just remember feeling like, like kind of this like chill, like, or this, like this, like goosebump kind of lingering feeling of just feeling like we'd, we'd tapped into the thing we're supposed to do. That sounds crazy to say, but that's actually real. That's how I felt. I felt like that's, Oh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to illuminate that. Like our lights was a shine and just show that commonality of things that because of language barriers and borders had like national borders, cultural borders had been seen as highly different. Our job was to show you, no, 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 no. That border is young compared to how old this idea is. And that idea is connected to that idea. They're actually from the same root idea that humans did a long time ago because they thought it mattered. Mm -hmm. Wow, a thousand years ago, people thought this shit mattered. And it still sounds to me like it matters today. That's some powerful shit if you can make something that a thousand years later moves people. That's crazy. And we tapped, we touched that because of Memphis, because of Memphis like heartbeat. You know, that that's I think that's the thing that that I that stuck with me. That's the thing that changed my life in the pandemic. Man. Shout out to that. I would say and I'm a, I'm gonna go like I'm gonna go like this and I'm gonna get there. And <laughs> when I first came into the band, the music felt like Latino music. And as I started watching all these documentaries, get into the culture, absorbing it, I, we talk about this a lot, but I had this moment where I realized this is black music and really making movies is playing my shit. They're playing my people's shit the Latino way because it came from Africa, got to Spain, and that shit mixed and then it was born. Like, oh, this clave is an African rhythm from the Yoruba tribe from African people. And the black people in Cuba call themselves black. You know, they don't say they're Cuban. They're just black people, you know, so like all of this is is the is me. It's like it's what it's what I do. So I don't have to approach it like I'm learning somebody else's. All I do is have to play do me and then watch my people. And so like I didn't I didn't have to study it. I really just watched how Cuban drummers moved and dance and and learned and learned the casca and learned the and like and studied my people and then it hit me and I like that's why I can play it pretty naturally and all the people I meet now say I got the tune bow that's what they say they say I'm swinging it and then to get to Memphis and to get to the making movies message is like. I feel like we've been all looking to tap into the African shit, which in this moment I'm going to call the black shit. And so like, and just understanding that black culture right now has been, is just, is under fire. Being black is, is, is a wild experience and making movies is understand that and look to highlight that. And so Memphis is black. That's what I felt when I went there. If it was the blackest place I've ever been to, is uh, predominantly black. It felt that felt so natural. It felt home. It felt like whoa, this these are my people are responsible for the greatest thing 
in music. All the best genres my people are responsible for. And it all came from this place. And here I am with these people, with my homies, with people who brought me here in this place to do, to play the drums in, in the place where all of my favorite records were made. It's like that, putting that in the making movies thing, I feel like is one thing we're missing. You know, we haven't been as black and now I feel like we have really tapped into the Afro part of the Cuban, Latino, Puerto Rican, Panamanian shit that the band been tapping into, you know? It's like, now I feel like that's what's, that's what's going to make this record go, I feel like, larger, because Memphis gave us that blackness, you know? And really tapping. What we all been talking about is like, it's, and it's not a new message, is what... Every, all we've all been trying to get to solo and what the band has been saying, but like at certain times you got to have like that actual piece of it to get it in there. And then the black man showed up, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> that's it. It's like they did do 12 years of work so I could come in and just be the last little, you know, <laughs> that's it. So like it, it took all of it for it to happen, and then like oh, throw a little chocolate in there, you know what I'm saying? Then the sofa is done, the soup is good. You feel me? That's why we got the album name because the soup had all these flavors. In it. <laughs> just need a hint of chocolate. That's all. Right. <laughs> it, which is kind of which is kind of what I like. Like it's like kind of the thing he did is so is so close to the, or so connected to the thing that that we're trying to do. It's like. On one hand, man, you can talk about the bitterness of of slavery and and the insanity that human beings could ever enslave other human beings, and, and it's happened a bunch. Like the 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 Black American story, continent, this continent story of enslavement is one story in humanity of craziness where people just abuse each other. It's terrible. But like fantastic, he's like he's telling a story about his grandpa and how he's mixed black and white, and like. It's like my, my grandmother must have been looking outside and looking at that delicious chocolate bar just melting in the sun. <laughs> and he's telling that story in Austin. That's right. And I was just cracking up like, oh, my God, he's he's killing it. Because you have to remember, too, that there also love happened. Like, that's yeah. how we're all mixed up is because also people fell in love with each other. Like, people really vibed with each other from way different parts of the world. That, and they were like, wait, I fuck with your thing. Like, wait, you guys do this drum? That's dope. You you play with that flute? Wow, that's amazing. Or it's you move like that. You move like that. Oh my <laughs> God. I'm in like I'm I have to. Like I just can't help myself. So that that's like like it's 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 gotta be all that stuff. You can't just tell one side of it. You can't tell the ugly side and forget the beautiful side. Cause otherwise you it, it it's not real. Humanity's just a mix of both things at the same time. That's real. And so you all talk about this uh, this appreciation, this this common thread that's running through this music, literally in various parts of the world. And then comes, you know, Americana. Speak on how this project came to be, and how literally it's kind of spawned off into this larger, larger entity. Diego had the idea of naming our album Americana, misspelling the word like the phonetic spelling, because the album was really a compilation of ideas and collaborations with other like-minded artists, Ruben Blades being one of them, um, Asdru Sierra, the David Hidalgo, Los Lobos, Steve Berlin, Florito Loache. So we chose songs that, that represented that this message. So we've, we've been riffing on it. We need to retell what the message is. But then when the pandemic hit, 
we thought that that name was perfect. Well, actually, this is before the pandemic. We thought that name was perfect to rename the festival. This is American music, Americana. It's supposed to include the stuff that was left out of Americana. And then with the pandemic, when we couldn't do a festival, we started making content. That content led to that film, the documentary film. And thankfully, because concerts are opening back up, we're doing September 10th, a festival in Kansas City called Celebrate Americana. But in that time, two years passed, so we just kept having ideas. Well, what if we do a radio show that tells more of the story? We have a PBS documentary. What if we do a live stream? What if we cut up YouTube shorts, which we're about to start putting into the world? So it wasn't one big idea. It was, well, we have this message, and how do we say it? Let's do it in a festival. Ah, no festivals. Well, how? Well, let's do it in content. Oh, well, how else could we do it? Let's do it in radio shows. So it's kind of grown from that one step at a time. That's It's fun. That's actually really, 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 really fun to do, to try to communicate this message through different angles. I really enjoy that part of it. Yeah, it's something we learned during the pandemic time of like having to be creative. It's an easy idea now for us to do those type of things because for a while, that's just all that was available. That's right. It was scary at first. Do we even know how to do this? I mean, I guess arguably we don't, but you, you figure it out if you just choose to. I mean, it definitely didn't. It didn't show in the the final product, which is which is dope. It it was never. I think part of what makes Americana every every part of it, from the record to the documentary to all these other ways that it comes out, part of what makes it work is that it's always been a labor of love. It's not about the content or the song or who is featured. Although all those things end up being an amazing part every time, you know, we have legendary people come in and play music and, or pull from a legendary artist song and get to showcase their story and how they contributed to American music. But at the end of the day, everyone who was involved in it, whether they were the artists or the people behind the camera making it, everyone knew that it was worth doing so that we could share this message and, and share this, this idea of including more and more people to the story um, and kind of expanding this idea of what even is America? What, what is American music? What, how many people have been left out of that answering, uh, answering of that question? It really walks better because everybody had that love first um, and, and we're willing to pour it more into it because of it. Beautiful. Man. Well, this has gone by really fast. <laughs> my, my last question, which I'm sure our listeners are excited to to hear the summer and fall seasons for the Overton Park Shell recently announced, and you all will be performing, which you all actually have performed the shell in 2017. I'm curious what you all are looking forward to this go around, having been you know seasoned performers of the shell. I think that this new music like was written with with a party and danceability and groove in mind. So I'm looking forward to having a set that, that can you can groove to the whole time. And I feel like Memphis will respond to that because Memphis responded to our set years ago, but the music feels more solid, more grounded, stronger. And with all this, like, this love that we now have for Memphis and all these memories that we have, I feel like we're going to feel inspired that day. We're going to feel like it's special. And that, that's a recipe for having a really great night. So I'm pumped. I mean, it is 
it is where uh, Elvis has performed. It like if you feel like you're there, and it's this these kind of places you can't build one today because you can't build one that has that kind of history. You and you stand on that stage, and you look out over that lawn, you're like, wow, I'm not I'm not the first artist to do this, but I'm the 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 today I get to be the latest one in this really long line of amazing people, and that's always exciting. And I'm just excited to be around all these black people again. <laughs> it's not to be lit. I'm telling you, Memphis is home. It's my second home. I can't wait. It's just good vibes in the air. I think for sure, like I said, just being able to express that the music that we're going to be playing that night was recorded and you know built there in Memphis. So being able to express that to the crowd and letting them know that like we appreciate it because I don't know. Not to say that it was going to be impossible to do it without Memphis, but I think, you know, Memphis, it, it definitely, you know, hit home. And so we're very fortunate to be have, able to have done it in Memphis for sure. Love it. Yeah, I, I'm actually, it's one of the highlights, I think, for me this year. We'll be playing that stage again. Which is wild, considering all the other highlights we've had. I had said the same <laughs> thing, too. Like, I was like, wait, after... After we do, we're going to be coming back from Mexico City. And what do we do? We do the Overton Park shell. I was like, what? That sounds crazy. That's going to be amazing. Yep. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for chatting it up. Um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think why, I don't think Young Almighty has processed everything yet. No. <laughs> it's Let's like, go, Duncan. What else day. you got? No, what is happening, bro? Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> every time we have every time we all talk together nowadays one of us is having their minds blown by just some realization like wait did you realize like that's what's about to happen we're doing this and we're going there and then the album comes out wait what and then we got to make that music video that music video is coming out tomorrow what no wait what like everybody's like no so much is happening right now we went from off nothing was happening for so long it's crazy yeah, to have now. this much stuff happening at once <laughs> what <laughs> yeah no i last night I, I was hanging out with an old friend and i was like yeah no things are good i mean things are going well we're, we're starting to play shows so anyways we were just in panama we we're playing at the ancient ruins the first ruins and european made in the americas it's a you mean he goes is it like a world heritage heritage site yeah, it's a World Heritage Site, and we, we concocted a concert that we could film on that World Heritage Site because it represents the message of the band, you know. Yeah, that was pretty cool, and then and he took us on his yacht the next day. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't believe I was saying that. I was Mexico the week before. Let's go. The week before, and we opened for Black Pumas, and people thought I was the lead singer of Black Pumas. Come on. He, he is telling the truth, all. He is telling the truth. <laughs> No, what is his name? What is the dude's name? What is the dude's name? It's oh, uh, Eric. 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 Yeah, that's right. Eric. That's how they say it over there. Eric. Eric. Is it he? And this happened. <laughs> it's Yo, only... I hurt my knee, bro. And I've been telling people the story all week of like, yeah, I hurt my knee on the yacht last week. And it is a great conversation starter. <laughs> it's the best conversation starter. Oh, my goodness. One of them dance moves took my knee out, bro. but it was worth it. I think it was the slide underneath the speedo. There you go. There you go. <laughs> I think went out right there. <laughs> your knee, your knee. Your knee oh said, mutiny, mutiny. I yes. <laughs> you, you got to chill, bro. You got to be from LA. You got to relax, bro. 
You got I went overboard and I paid for it for about a week and a half, boy. I still feel it a little bit. That's why I had the <laughs> ultimate frisbee with a knee break. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, true goodness. oh my goodness oh man All right. well, this is fun yeah. thank you thank you McKenzie thanks again to Making Movies for the great conversation to stay connected to the band be sure to visit makingmovies.world make sure you subscribe to hear all of our episodes Thanks again, and be sure to tune in for our next episode of the Shellcast.